Battle buddies. Wingmen. Partners in crime. Well, not literally, of course. Crime is bad. Don't do crime, please. These are all analogies for the same thing. Friends. I'm guessing that everyone listening to this podcast has gotten where they are in life with the help and support of friends. Whether that be your middle school soccer buddy who pushed you a little harder to perfect your bicycle kick, or that dorm room pal who helped you study for those last minute surprise exams in college. We all know those people who are responsible for helping us along the way. This is the Maniac Radio Show, and I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair with the 101st Public Affairs Office here in Bangor, Maine. Everyone you've ever met has helped shape you into the person you are today. Even the negative interactions help build you into a stronger person. But I think a common misconception is that once you've, quote, made it in life, sort of hit that plateau, we think that's it. I've made it. I'm done. I'm invincible. I know I'm guilty of it. You remember that one teacher who always said, never stop learning? Maybe that was Miss Frizzle, or maybe John Kimball? I think maybe the same goes for everything. But we can't do it alone, and the wingman concept plays a powerful role in today's world, not just in the Air Force. In this episode, we hear from an amazing individual who has a powerful story to tell, one that we could all benefit hearing, a story about perseverance, commitment, and resiliency. Here's his story. Master Sergeant Rick Martell, he is a boom operator for the 101st Air Refueling Wing, or the 132nd, right? Yes. I always get those mixed up sometimes. Um, and he's going uh, to talk to us about his story, um, introduce himself a little bit. So, but first and foremost, I want to say thank you for coming in. Oh, you're very welcome. Glad to do it and happy to do it. That's awesome. So, sir, how, how long have you been in the military? How long have you been um, doing this? Uh, should be uh, about 23 years next week, I believe. Wow. So, next week. Total time. And you'll be gone this time next week, right? Be gone next time. It'll be uh, tomorrow night I'm leaving. No better way to uh, spend your, your anniversary than in a, in a hairdryer, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Many times. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it's what you make it. Yeah. It's what you signed up for, right? That, that's yeah. exactly true. Yeah. So have you always been Have you always been a boomer or did you do something different before? Uh, no, when I first got back in the guard, roughly back in 2002, I believe it was, shortly after uh, 9-11, um, I was in uh, comm squad and took an incentive flight and I knew I always wanted to fly in the plane and I knew I couldn't fly the plane as a pilot. So my recruiter, Marty Clark, told me that I could be uh, an in-flight refueler. And I said, well, what's that? He goes, well, enlisted guy with wings. And I said, cool, I'll do it. Yeah. And so he said, well, we'll get you back into your old field, which was calm or admin back in the day, 1983, just saying, I know, long time ago. <laughs> but uh, so I said, absolutely. I took a, a, an incentive ride and Chief Master Sergeant Chuck Halstead was on the plane with then Sergeant Andy Robichaud. Uh I took a flight, watched everything happening and fell in love with it automatic, instantaneously. So when we landed, Chief Halstead said, did you like it? I said, nope, I loved it. 
And he chuckled. He said, would you like to fill out an application? I said, I sure would. He said, okay, there's no guarantees. He said, I don't think there's any openings right now, so it might be a few months. I said, no problem. And I don't think it was very much longer after that, maybe a month, maybe two, and I got a call back from Chief Halstead saying, asking if I was still interested. And I said, certainly am. And he said, okay, you got an interview. And then I went through the interview process, and here I am today. That's awesome. And you, and you still like it just as much as you did when you started? I love my job. Never gone to work. Yeah. And not a lot of people can say that. No. You know, I've never gone to work since I became a boom operator. So That's awesome. Some days are better than others, just like anything else. But it's a fantastic job. Best enlisted job anybody could have. Being in the flying community, too, like it's probably afforded you the opportunity to go all sorts of cool places, right? Oh, absolutely. I've been all over the world. As I say, I get to uh, fly all over the world, see things, get paid to do it. And when I do my job, I get to lay down and do it because I lay on my belly. Yeah, that's cool. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Laying down on the job. Yeah, exactly. Without getting in trouble. So you didn't you didn't evade Sears School like Chief Air did for so many years, right? That is true. <laughs> and he uh, he got very many ribbings for that, and they were very much justified. Yeah, that's good. Sorry, Chief, but yeah. you had that coming. <laughs> you know, he's a hell of a dude. And, yeah. Uh, he always treated me right. Hey, we didn't get a we didn't agree every single day. Nobody ever does. We're human beings, and nobody's going to. So if you did, it'd be concerning. Right, yeah. I, I would be very concerned. Yeah. Again, I told you I'd make this short and sweet. So it's my understanding you came by today because you want to share your story with us. I have a little story that entails resiliency. Um, I do not mind telling my story. I hate talking about myself, mm -hmm. but uh, if it helps somebody, I hope it does. And uh, a few years ago, about five years ago now, this December, we were deployed mm -hmm. to the Middle East and I had a seizure and uh, didn't really know it was coming. Just watching TV, uh, and the next thing I know, I woke up in the hospital with pins and needles everywhere. The young doctor that was there when I woke up, he said, well, your flying career is over. And I kind of gave him that stunned look, you know, I apparently, I couldn't see my own face, but, you know, and I don't really remember a whole lot. The resiliency comes from him having said that, and then, you know, once I had my wherewithal, which took a while, by the way, because, you know, I was uh, transported to Landstuhl, Germany, and then on to uh, uh, Arlington, Virginia, and where I recuperated. Uh, once I got back to the States, we found out what actually happened and caused my seizure, and it was alcohol. I knew I wanted to stop drinking when I went over there. I knew I was, I was drinking too much, and I said, I gotta stop, and that's what I did. So basically trying to help myself, I almost killed myself. Um, of course, I didn't know that, and didn't think of it that way, didn't think the drinking was that bad, but obviously it was because uh, my brain was going like, where the heck is the booze? Because it's know? been used to it type of thing. Right, yeah. right, you know, it was dependent on it, and your neurons and your brain were going like, basically had a short circuit. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, once I had the wherewithal and understood what was going on, um, I was told by some people here that Big Blue wanted to basically kick me out of the military. And uh, 
Uh, Rick Thompson at the time was squadron commander, and he said absolutely not. He said if this guy wants to go through pangs and pains of getting right, then we're going to give him that chance. The first thing that I said once I had my wherewithal and they said, for you to fly again, you're going to have to do this. I said, done. And it took me 15 months of uh, AA meetings, uh, the intense courses down at, in Virginia. And uh, it was very intense. And I was alongside people that had uh, seen friends get blown up. Uh, they've had to shoot people. And, you know, I thought my situation was tiny compared to those kids. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't the easiest thing to do. You know, you have to suck up your pride and do it. And, and I said, I will be in that plane again. And anybody that knows me knows I said it, and here I am. So um, it was uh, very trying. Uh, it was, it's scary, very scary. One of the other things that the doctors had told me, they said, well, if you, and this was before we kind of knew the alcohol was the issue, they said, if you drink, if you drink, you probably should stop. And I said, I don't think you have to tell me that. I've already planned that. And, uh, you know, and moving along, um, you know, I went through all the courses, the rehabs, and uh, it was very much worth it, obviously, because I'm here. Just got extended past the 60-year-old age limit for two more years, so... I must have wanted to stay. Which is pretty crazy for an enlisted member, right? Yes, yeah. yes. It's uh, kind of unheard of, I guess. I think there's a waiver out there, but nobody's exercised that right. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are two of us here in Bangor right now doing it. Mm -hmm. And the other being uh, John Lennon, who is a uh, help from Pease Air Force Base in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. So he kind of broke the ice for me. And then uh, I followed suit about four months later. So mm -hmm. here I am. But uh, a big part of this is understanding what happened and and knowing if you have an issue get help um it's not that i didn't look for help because i just didn't think that i needed it uh you know people here and there would say well you're drinking a little bit aren't you and say yeah but you know and then you don't think about it but you, maybe you know those are indicators i missed them um and it wasn't just, it was no stress here. You know, I never was in trouble with the law. But uh, people ask me, does it bother you to go out with the crews? You know, because we work hard and we play hard. And I said, absolutely not. And they said, well, how is it so easy for you after what you went through? I said, well, I just kind of put it this way. If I want to die, I'll drink. It's pretty simple. You know, I tell myself every day, life is good. Um, this is why I'm still here. I'm very grateful. I know my wife is very grateful, and so is everybody out here, apparently, because they still call me names. So if they're not calling you names, they probably don't like you. So tough I'm still love, getting right? called names. Yeah, tough so, love, right? Tough love, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, my goal is to help anybody. If anybody feels like they want to talk about something, it doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be drugs. It can be just stresses of life or being a human being and living on this earth one day at a time. And that's the other thing. It's one day at a time. That's all you can do. 
And then the past is the past. Try not to make the same mistake that you did. Uh, I think my grandfather told me, and it's probably a saying, if you do something and you learn from it, it's not a mistake. But if you do it twice and it's the same thing, it's probably a mistake. That's a good and saying. you probably need to look at yourself to fix it. Wow, that's 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 uh that's pretty powerful. So when you first found out when you woke up that night and you had your seizure, they told you that you weren't going to fly anymore. Before you found out that that wasn't really the case, what was that like? Was that pretty discouraging? Oh yeah, I, I guess uh, I was like probably in shock. Mm -hmm. You know, the discipline, resiliency is you know the ability to snap back, uh, what you're willing to do for what you want. You know, and it's the lack of resource or whatever it is, you fight through it, and how badly do you want it is what you want. And I knew I was gonna get back in that plane. I just knew. And you did it. I know I did. You know, you mentioned before that not only that Chief Air is a, is a friend of yours and has been for a long time, but he was also your boss. So for him, for him to say to you, hey, are you doing okay, something's off, do you think that sometimes that's all it takes? Oh yeah, yeah, and, you know, looking back on it, for me, I wish I'd recognized it, you know, or I would hope that they, that would send off a signal, you know, I missed it, so that doesn't mean that they won't, but, but I, you know, I would not hesitate to have somebody come and say, you know, hey, can I talk to you? And I would be more than happy to talk to anybody. So, you know, do whatever you have to do so that you don't end up like I did. Yeah. Don't put yourself in that position. If someone were to say something beforehand, like your coworkers or your wingmen, your yeah. wingmen concept were to say, hey buddy, are you, are you okay? Would you say that would have a, that probably has a big impact on people? Oh, definitely, definitely. And you know, and probably people said stuff to me, but you just overlook it. You know, you don't, yeah. it goes in one ear and out the other. And it's not that you're trying to ignore them, but it's just like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, you know better than they do. Right, you know, it's like, I know me better than you know me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, and it's, you know, it's, that's human nature. Yeah. You know, it's just the way it is. And it, obviously, in the old saying, 20, uh, hindsight is 2020. If, if I could take it back, I could think of those, like when Chief said something to me, I was like, you know, bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. You know, without coming out and saying, you know, hey, we think you're drinking too much, or, you know, are you, is everything okay at home? You know, because we do take care of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and we're pretty adamant about that, yeah. and that's good. But it's what you do with what they try to help you with that, you know, ultimately gets to you to where you're at. You have to be receptive. Yeah, that's interesting. And we all know how that goes sometimes. Well, and you know, you're, and that brings up a good point too, because as you know, um, we're a very, you know, the the military as a whole is a very A type personality. Um, stubborn. I know I am. You know, yeah, oh, definitely. You know, it's just, but so accepting that help is probably. That's the, uh, exactly, you know, having somebody else tell you that you probably should seek help instead of yourself, you yourself telling yourself, mm -hmm. hey, I should go do some, yeah, because type A's, exactly, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and of course we need to be type A's, but, yeah, yeah. but oh, we yeah. also need to be, uh, what's a good way to put it? softer type A's. Yeah, so. like will, willing to accept help from people who care and right. recognizing that. And that's why people say stuff, it's because they care, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's incredible, yeah, that's an incredible story too. Is there anything you'd like to add? 
I guess uh, I would say that, you know, obviously we all know that life is an experience. It's a, it's a journey and there are some bumpy roads. Don't be afraid to go over the bumps. It's great to be here. I appreciate everybody that's helped me along the way and they can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> and that's all that matters, right? <laughs> yeah. You'll go to your, your 70, right? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I think um, I, I think that uh, I speak for everybody when I say I, I appreciate you coming forward. And, oh, you're and very welcome. Story. I'm glad. Um, you know, again, if I could help one person, uh, they can come to me at any time. And for me, being open about it has been very, I guess, uplifting and, and rewarding. So you've heard it from the man himself, Massard Martel. <laughs> the tunnel rat. Is that your is that your call sign? That's one of them. That's one of them. And uh, people that don't know, it's because I'm older. That just means you have all the experience. They That's should, right. And they should listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tell everybody yeah. that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks a lot. I, I do appreciate you doing this. Well, thank you. I also thank think you. I speak for everybody when I say good luck on on your um, your trip. Your oh, trip. thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks a lot. Master Sergeant Martel, thank you for sharing your story with us. And wherever you are in the world right now, please be safe and thank you for your service. On another note, the Maine Air National Guard is looking for airmen to march in this year's Veterans Day Parade. If you haven't heard about it yet, you're either not from here or I don't know. I've got nothing else. If you're interested in marching in this year's parade, please get with your supervisor over drill and they'll point you in the right direction. Also, the 101st is having their tactical pause this Sunday. You may have read about it in the news or heard about it amongst your coworkers, but the Resiliency Tactical Pause is an Air Force-wide initiative with an intent to take a break from the daily grind, as Chief Wright, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force put it. The goal is to focus on our airmen and their well-being. Colonel Roy said in the last podcast that this will not be a one-day thing, and he's not looking to check a box. This is the start of something bigger. If you have questions or concerns about the Resiliency Tactical Pause, contact your supervisor to find out more about what to expect this weekend. Chief Anderson, he was here back in June, he's the command chief for the Air National Guard, said that we need to develop a new pathway to reach our airmen. That's really what it's all about, right? Our airmen. So here we go again with another maniac fact. The year is 1986, and the month, November. Hunting season, Thanksgiving, and of course, Veterans Day. As you all know, each year the maniacs form up and march to honor our nation's veterans and remembrance for all they've done for our country. It's a time to reflect and honor those who came before through the time-old military tradition of drill and ceremony. If you've never seen it, it's a sight to see not just the brothers and sisters we serve with, but all the veterans that participate in the parade. Some who even give it their all to be there because it means so much to them to honor the timeless tradition. It's really remarkable and an amazing experience. In 1986, Bangor had the largest peacetime parade ever recorded in the great state of Maine. Several members from each unit from the 101st wore their dress blues and marched with pride. 
101 members, to be exact. Vets from all over came to march, and each person who participated was entered into a drawing for a free gift as a thank you for their service. And on November 11th, 1986, the Joshua Chamberlain Bridge, which by the way, at the time, was the state's largest bridge, was dedicated to all Maine veterans. The bridge originally opened, I guess that's the right word, back on November 11th, 1954, exactly 32 years earlier. Oh, and a side note, here's a fun fact. 1954, that was the year that President Eisenhower officially changed the name of the holiday from Armistice Day to Veterans Day. The Department of Transportation decided to give the bridge a facelift and give it an update. Structural steel, new pavement, and, and oh yeah, getting rid of that lead paint and replacing it with something a little more non-toxic. As I said, it was a sight to see. Brigadier General Roy Martin led the parade that consisted of military, civilians, and veterans alike, separate from his unit. The general later went on to say, quote, I feel very proud. The maniacs did an excellent job. They look sharp, and they enjoy doing it. Pretty cool stuff, and a staple in Bangor Brewer's history. Oh yeah, and that free gift that was given away? A brand new car, given to one lucky veteran. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and the messages that Master Sergeant Martel gave by sharing his story. As always, please share this with friends and family. I wanted to mention that the Maniac Radio Show is now available on iHeartRadio. Just one more way you can access it. To use iHeartRadio, just simply download the app through the Apple Store or Google Play. Of course, you can access past episodes by visiting iTunes, Divids, or by streaming it through our app. Please don't forget to ask about the upcoming Veterans Day Parade. The more the merrier. You won't be entered into a drawing to win a free car, but Major Beale did say she has a bike that she's willing to give away. Just keep that in mind. I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair. Thanks for listening. I hope you all have a great drill weekend and spend some time with your fellow airmen. Ask them about the last Patriots game or how their kids are doing. Ask them anything. Because after all, we're all in this together. One team, one fight sort of thing. With help from our battle buddies or wingmen, we can get through anything.